Welcome to the Lebu Lion Podcast, the biggest marketing and entrepreneurship podcast on the African continent. I'm your host, Lebu Lion, and as usual, I'm going to be connecting you with the thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and game changers who are serving their cause and communities in truly meaningful ways. Yeah. Yeah. Can I me teach you a lesson? Can I me teach you a lesson? Level line with the tweets. Follow me back to my nest. Level line with the podcast. Teach you lesson cause I got class. Level line with the impact. You be lying, that's a real fact. Come let me teach you a lesson. Can I me teach you a lesson? Level line with the tweets. Follow me back to my nest. Level line with the podcast. Teach you lesson cause I got class. Level line with the impact. You be lying, that's a real fact. Let me learn you some. Let me learn you some. Come here, let me learn you some. 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 Come here, let me learn you some. 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 Come here, let me learn you some. 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 Come here, let me learn you some. Today's guest is a woman whose resume will inspire you to pursue your dreams relentlessly with faith and courage. Her success in all the companies she has served and built are a testament to the power of living intentionally and with purpose. Audrey Mutupi, CEO of Systemic Logic, a global research, innovation, and digital technology firm with a proven track record for delivering practical solutions to clients across a disparate range of industries and geographies. Prior to this, she was the head of inclusive banking at Standard Bank Group, where the division she led was awarded the 2013 BAI Finical Global Banking Innovation Award for innovation in societal and community impact. Audrey has extensive experience in banking, insurance, group strategy, human resources, marketing communications, and corporate affairs. This is certainly an entrepreneur who's not only a trailblazer, but a change maker. I knew one day I actually wanted to go and create something. I wanted to go and build a company. I didn't know what it was at that point in time. Yes, the trigger was the technology. I, I had an idea, I had a vision, and, I just, and the time was right. So combining that recipe, the hassle began. Audrey Mutupi, welcome to the Level Lion podcast. Uh, Levi, thank you so much. And I've just realized I'm becoming a fast fan. <laughs> <laughs> what an honor for you to say that. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And um, I'm excited. In fact, I love your intro because I think life, if we live a life without purpose, then we fail to live. So I do love the spirituality and how you actually do that intro because we forget often that we are human first before we are CVs. Oh, I love what you're saying. In fact, it's something I speak to entrepreneurs about all the time. The fact that we're humans before we're CVs. And, you know, I had this, I had all these questions planned and I had an order, but you've just hit me with something that I really want to address, you know, right now in terms of CVs and purpose. A lot of entrepreneurs are afraid of being human. They're afraid of taking a break. You know, they feel like if I want to succeed and pursue a business and be successful, I have to work 24-7 and I have to present myself as this professional 24-7. 
why is it important to have a balance you know it's in being human uh the vulnerabilities that we then face actually inspire and innovate so i found that um the points where i've made uh shifts in whether it's in my career or shift in direction of the business i had to be vulnerable first so you have to let yourself be vulnerable because once you do that you tap into the true sense and the true self of who you are and vulnerabilities are something as simple as allow yourself to say i actually can't do this allow yourself to say i'm struggling allow yourself to ask for help and then more important allow yourself to say come on girl you can do this you've done this a million times over get off your backside and just get it done <laughs> i love that i love that i think that word vulnerability we're using it quite a lot these days but we don't actually know what it means and i like how you've unpacked it into something very simple and tangible you know it's just being true to yourself um let's start this conversation at the beginning you know cuz i i've read through your story i've seen the videos i'm inspired but a lot of our guests might not know who you are so please tell us audrey who are you who is audrey mutupi I think for your guests um one of the things I honestly believe is I was born to be a change agent. So for mm. me first and foremost I wake up every day to change lives. I wake up to create jobs and I wake up to create wealth. And that sounds quite trivial and for some people listening can think actually how does one get to that? A, a change agent you will know what you're born to be by tracking everything you did prior. So if I look at even the curiosity from my childhood uh, i was one of those who felt that um you know you always have to try something but more important you have to always find something that also changes or impacts others i live with the philosophy of paying it forward which i have personally in my private life over the years so the idea of change uh, came from the realization that the things that made me happy when i was at my happiest uh, whether as a consultant many years ago in my 20s um when I was at my happiest is when I found a solution to a problem that solved the client's uh, a need um when I was at my happiest was when I was also driving a process uh, that came up with a solution of change when I was at my happiest was when I was having frustrations uh, to solve something because I didn't have the answer not because it would it would help me but others so if I look at uh, that change component uh, also then manifests in everything I've done from the early days of being a gal guide or working in an orphanage to <laughs> even in high school being a firefighting chief I'm not not many people <laughs> 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 to to uh, being whether I'm sitting on a board of pick and pay as I do now as a director and then listening in when you're sitting in those meetings and asking the question how does this impact many lives not just a few or sitting now as a director of life healthcare hospital we're going through the covid pandemic and listening constantly to just making sure that the decisions we're taking are not just um our decisions that are business related but the decisions that are the questions are being asked of uh the support given to our frontline um our service providers or the support given to our elderly um when in my business currently which is more around data digital tech and innovation it's saying is the data and information being used ethical so are we building 
uh, artificial intelligence uh, processes and programs that are ensuring uh, a diversity of thought, but more important, that are not introducing bias, racial bias or gender bias. That's what it means to be a change agent, being intentional in everything that I do to ask of myself the question, how does this, what are the intended and unintended consequences of the decisions we're taking? Oh my goodness, that is such a beautiful answer. <laughs> and you've used words that I feel define entrepreneurs who are purposeful and intentional. You use words like change, you use words like impact, you use words like diversity. And I think if you're going to be an entrepreneur on the African continent, you need to understand those kinds of things because we live in such a vibrant con- con- continent uh, with different kinds of people. And you've also spoken about your different leadership positions and the roles that you played in different companies. How do people, if they're sitting and listening to this, co- uh, to this podcast and they're also in the corporate space, how do they navigate through the corporate landscape skillfully? Because you've done it well. You've succeeded in every single organization that you've been in. You've been impactful. You've been a change agent. How does someone listening to this podcast today um, get the skills to do that? Um, Lebu, the, the starting point is uh, know yourself. Um, one, of the, one of the best kept secrets about us humans is actually there's an ability, once you understand and know yourself, you then very quickly realize uh, the things that um, you think you can't do, you can. So if I, if I use that and take you through a journey, if we take a journey through personally my career and stuff, um, first and foremost, um, when I was at university, uh, for most of my young years, everybody said, um, I always used to say I want to be a lawyer. I was going to be a lawyer. I was going to be the first female <laughs> black judge of the country. You know, the world would change. And I'd come in with this whole gender stuff. But actually, I never became the lawyer because uh, that wasn't necessarily my path. At university, I did uh, political science. I'm the generation that uh, I was born and raised in exile. I'm the generation that uh, was around uh, during apartheid, but more important, I'm the generation that was pushing for that change uh, that needed to happen. So we had hope. So as, a, as an individual, I never allowed myself to be lost in the misery of the fact that I was born and first of all, born and raised in exile, born in, 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 in Uganda, grew up in Kenya very quickly, went to Canada as a 17 year old on a scholarship. And even then was just out of possibility. And there was an ad in a newspaper. And at the time I saw it, there was a scholarship for this amazing high school, United World Colleges. I applied, went to a teacher in the high school at the time. And, and that's an interesting point for anyone listening. You always have a sponsor in front of you. You just need to open your eyes. So when I say at 17, I had an amazing teacher. We all have amazing teachers out there. There's always somebody who wants you to succeed and going. And then if you fast track that story, that the, the, the answer is ending up in a foreign country, 63 different countries represented, introduced to different cultures. I was at school with a Palestinian and an Israeli, um, the white South African for the first time, and I was introduced as a black South African. The white South African ended up being Nick Doors, who was the editor of Mail and Guardian. Uh, we're now absolutely amazing friends. Now, therein lies the story of the self in discovering biases and being introduced to diversity. So let's have an open mind. You talk about African Africanicity. I'm I'm a Pan-Africanist. I was born and raised in East Africa at a time where only our brother and fellow countries welcomed us as South Africans on the outside. So we are first and foremost African. 
And if I look at my journey from uh, to Canada in a global perspective, then coming back um, and for a management consultancy uh, company uh, and then moving into an SABC and then Liberty, there was a journey constantly and there was a, like the peeling of an onion at each point. I was building resilience and building knowledge uh, that ends up being important to what I'm doing today. So if I look at the African analogy back again, uh, and anyone listening, uh, each step you take, uh, remember the sponsor, whether it's the teacher, whether it's a, your colleague sitting next to you right now, whether it is your neighbor, a friend, uh, sometimes the answer lies in you being able to say, I need help, or I don't understand this, or I'm curious, how do you do A, B, C, D, E, F? So if I look at the African continent and my own personal career and journey, um, and I, I back work backwards from now owning a business, uh, the fact that I ended up finding a, a, a bank partner, so anyone's an entrepreneur as an example, people fail to, to look out and seek and search. So when you're starting a business, either you're going to have people who will tell you, you can't do it. They're going to have people who are going to say, why would you do it? They're going to have people who say, you're a crazy girl. Why are you even thinking about it? And then you've got somebody who will step up and say to you, uh, how can I help you? Or how can you partner? And uh, we believe you can do this. And I still I use the example of, of, of finance because access to finance is a big thing for anyone starting a business. And I use that little analogy back to the journey of self is knocking on every single different financial institution. I still remember like it was yesterday, sitting in a room and having a conversation with a team from APSA and um, at that point in time, the penny dropped because the person across from me looked at me and said to me, wow, we are so inspired. And by the way, we're going to support you until you, whether you're going to become small or big, but we know you're going to be big. And I looked at them and I said, you're going to support me until I list my company and I acquire many more companies to make this the largest female black woman owned uh, Africa started digital company. And you know what? They believed in me. So when, when you believe in yourself, when you know yourself, and when you ask, and when you have a partner that says to you, a financial services partner for that matter, APSA. In fact, so my blood was blue because I, I worked mm -hmm. at Liberty Standard Bank, but actually my blood now is absolutely red. And the reason for that is it takes one person. It's like that parent who believes in you uh, and says to you, you can do that teacher. To me, right now as an entrepreneur, and I urge all entrepreneurs out there, you do need a financial partner that says, I believe in you, not just now, but when you become even bigger and acquire big businesses, I will be right there with you. The difference is, Lebu, is every day when I wake up, is I want to prove them right. I want to prove to them that we can make this into a large listed entity that we can be proud of in the continent. Oh my goodness. You know, Audrey, I wish you were here <laughs> because I'm literally just looking at my laptop and smiling and nodding. <laughs> I am just as inspired as everyone in the room at APSA when you were speaking to them about your business. Your story is incredible. And I love how you speak so optimistically about everything. You know, you have a very holistic view of things and you see people as they are. So you're not judging them. You're tapping into their humanness, as you were saying at the beginning of the podcast, which I really love. And it inspires me as a young entrepreneur, because a lot of the time we, we, we think that business is hard and we think it's rough and we 
don't have to treat each other well but actually you're saying no it's all about aligning with people who see you and people who you see so i love that message in the video insert that you did uh, with apsa you said something that i thought was so cool and it just displayed your courage you said i had an idea i had a vision and the time was right so combining that recipe the hustle began how did you know <laughs> that the time was right <laughs> so i am i am a chief hustling officer so we forgot to that's a very important part because the hustle is a daily thing lebu and i'm so loving your hustle i mentioned to you my 20 year old say so how do you not know lebu she's like you know she's like a goat in you know the marketing and our generation so i'm so pleased that i'm i mean i'm having this conversation with you so how did i know so interesting enough and it's going to sound strange so in our 2000s so you got to go way back so in 2005 i'm sitting in an exco i'm the first uh, female executive in the 50 year history of liberty and presentations are coming so any of of you listening know that uh, in the corporate uh, world uh, we can you can have death by meeting mm-hmm. and in, in this there was a presentation and a presentation being made about a company a tech company um at the time and we were looking at the procurement start somebody was looking at uh, all the companies supplying us and i looked and lebu i remember looking at this uh, the presentation and then we didn't have ipads so we used to have thick files full of documents that you had to read through oh, and goodness. i'm looking and i'm realizing that that not a single major uh, procurement company meaning that not, there was not a single company that we were procuring from that had for two two reasons one that was female uh, and one that was black and South African are doing a meaningful piece of work for the for the company at that point in time and it's so funny like like a tick box process in my brain i felt like click i remember putting at the back of my head literally this was in 2005 and i remember saying to myself uh not to self i am going to start a business i'm going to learn as much as i can i'm going to make sure i'm a statistic in a company's procurement uh, a file uh of being relevant not being irrelevant so the only companies were small uh the catering or the cleaning companies at the bottom end and lebu we are we we are the brains of the world african civilization started on this continent which means that we cannot cannot play second best or second fiddle to anyone which means we have to always believe that we can have a crazy idea so in 2005 i had this crazy idea and the rest is history because i remember doing everything i did i took on and for anyone in the corporate space at the moment um don't wait for that promotion don't wait to put your hand up just do just go and take on if you see a gap if something needs to be done needs to be fixed and it's not in your job description be bold be proactive and do it uh, and if i look at uh, my own journey of learning uh, that whole hustle that i say began it began there because i took on at the time i was the hr exec for the group i took on corporate affairs i took on group strategy i took on marketing group legal and ended up being the chief executive of group strategic services and it was because of that can do attitude yes you can i love apps's new logo i can we can and they're constantly putting that you can i can and the difference between we can and i can i can allows you to take ownership of your life and allows you to be able to take advantage of the opportunities and the opportunities are plenty so um, um, for me that hassle is a hassle that happens every day because i can label you can and you can definitely take over 
this podcast now. <laughs> I am retiring. <laughs> Everyone, the new host of the Lebo Lion podcast is Audrey Mutupi. <laughs> Because you're coming through with gems. These are invaluable lessons that I think anyone can incorporate into their lives and into their hustle. You know, no matter how old they are, no matter what their gender is or their race or where they come from, these are invaluable nuggets. And before we go into talking a bit about strategy and business, because I'd like to do a bit of that, I just want to ask you a question that I've been seeing a lot of people ask on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook. And they're basically asking, how do I, as a young entrepreneur, connect with people like Audrey Motupi, people who have experience, people who are doing amazing things and could plug me into networks? How do I connect with those people meaningfully? So, so Lebu, first and foremost, I know that now that I'm connected with you, I'm not letting you go. So we're going to talk about your business, <laughs> we're going to talk about what else you want to do. We're going to talk about how I can connect you, how you can connect me. And that's where it starts. So the point I'm making is um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm available to help guide and challenge. And that's important. So connecting with an Audrey Mutupi doesn't mean you're now just connected and now you're expecting to get kind of lucky and sorted and everything is fine. So help guide and connect is are two different things. So I'm going to help you understand uh, first and foremost whether the, whether what you're dreaming and trying to manifest makes sense so we're going to put a structure in place and be and very structured so people who know me will tell you that actually with audrey she can be very consistently in a pain in the back because she'll actually be quite repetitive around the things you should be doing and mm. be consistent around that so so the helping part is not just giving you a hand up the helping part is giving you my brain so we can brainstorm through to understand uh, what, how better, how best you can position yourself for even greater things because we all have to strive for greatness because we can. Uh, the second component around guiding, once you're helping, the guiding part says, I can then hopefully um, make sure that I share the good, the bad and the ugly so you don't make the same mistakes. And in, a, in the journey of an entrepreneur, it's not always a bed of roses. So a part of the guiding is to say, actually, you know, um, you're doing great with the podcasts and stuff, but perhaps you need to now start cross-selling with talks on the side uh, with mm -hmm. uh, the youth, uh, the questions that you get. Why don't you run um, Lebu sessions on a Friday or something, Lebu jam sessions, where you invite the likes of Audrey um, and uh, the likes of APSA or, or the likes of any amazing women to come and have a jam session, a business jam session as an example. That's me guiding you. That's me saying, let's figure out how you cross-sell and do even better. And the third part uh, around making sure that um, you're now supporting the process through, it's very different uh, from which is the connect part. And the connect part is saying, how do we actually, and every single one of us can and should be a connector. Meaning every single of, of us knows a guy or a girl who can sort you out. So the connector, connector part means that you mustn't hold back to information that can help somebody else. So I'm game. So I can challenge you on that answer and say, why don't you actually extend your, your business offering and podcast and have a Friday jam session where you invite amazing and crazy speakers like Audrey <laughs> or Absas and stuff. We have a jam session and the jam session is where we're going to be quite brutally honest mm. around um, where are we going and where we're being directed. So I have a challenge for the youth and uh, some of your listeners to say this business of going on Twitter and just having candles and saying manifest mm -hmm. this, manifest that, 
manifest nonsense if you don't have structure and a vision and a goal. And that's so unavailable, but um, I come with tap lab too, sorry. I love that. You know, Audrey, on Twitter, they actually call me the table shaker <laughs> because I also come with tough love, you know, and I also believe in structure. I believe that you can have a vision, but you actually have to put in the work so that the vision can become a real thing. So I love what you're saying and that idea of connecting and collaborating, you know, we can never get tired of that message because that really is the key to growing in business and growing in knowledge and just growing in self. But right now, I just want to touch on what you do at Systemic Logic Group and ask you a question that has been on my mind for a while and that I have debates about with people all the time. So for those people who don't know, Audrey's the CEO of Systematic Logic Group, a global consulting and technology firm with a leading edge in innovation and emergent business strategy. Audrey, what has your experience been selling something as intangible as strategy? Um, I know a lot of entrepreneurs who approach me online say, you know, selling a service is much harder than selling a product. I really can't do this. I have to be older. I have to have a fancy car so people can trust me and think I'm credible. Um, wh what's your experience been in selling something intangible like strategy? And please, can you define what strategy is so that we understand what it truly is as a product offering or service offering? Yep. So I'll, I'll kick off to that and say thank you for that intro. Um, so we've got the tangible and intangible side of the business. So the tangible side is the, the, the data, digital tech and innovation stuff. So there's a tech stuff where part of what we sell is whether it's building apps and minimum viable products. So if you look at your uh, um, apps that you've got on your computer and the back end, there are a bunch of techies who say, actually, what an idea of an app that allows you to read a book um, electronically instead of um, you know going and buying a book. So behind that is a um, whole series of algorithms and data scientists and my team, my tech team. So we do that. So we've got the tangible component where we're building tech and we're helping our partner for execution around tech. Where you're right around selling the service and the strategy. So the strategy uh, and everybody, strategy is one of those words that funny enough over the years has been completely bastardized, meaning that people have actually lost value of what it is. And the way I simply put it, I say a lot of what we sell is strategic executions, which is you're going from just the saying to the doing. And the strategic mm -hmm. execution and the strategy is to say, actually, where, where in a simple term for your listeners, um, your strategy is simply saying, where do I want to go? So if I want to head out and I want to go on, um, take a shot left and go on a road trip and we're going to Cape Town, um, thinking through why, first of all, the destinations, so your strategy is thinking about where you want to go. So you decide it's Cape Town, it's not Bloomington, it's not Durban. Okay, it's Cape Town. How many hours does it take to Cape Town? Are we driving? Are we flying? Are we, you know, what are we doing? How are we getting there? And then once you map that out, uh, you then work towards making sure it happens. Because if you're, you're flying out, you need to buy the ticket. So suddenly the activities that follow activities that are broken down based on the direction you're headed. And there's always a reason why you're headed in that direction. So we're heading to Cape Town because we're looking for a combination of a beach holiday, the mountain, and be able to go and do the wine, wine route or the garden route because there's so many more activities we can look into. Or um, would we go to the Midlands because we want to go to this amazing spa because we just want to sit in one place and, and reconnect with the self. 
forget to pull myself to myself and my body uh, and my emotional and spiritual well-being. So mm-hmm. strategy, um, and I'm taking you on a, on a short left uh, for to keep it in simple terms. It is not different to defining that purpose in your life with an end goal. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. This is what I want to do. And then working backwards step by step to get there. So the, the execution focus around strategy and the support that we provide companies is now working through confirming that directionally it's Cape Town and it's Cape Town because of the mountain and uh, the, 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 the wine route and the beach. Or if it's from a business point of view is we are going to open a retail business in Cape Town because uh, in Cape Town and we're going to have a, a niche retail business in, okay, retail business, uh, it, that's not strategy. Uh, retail business that has an um, opportunity and is competitive, yes. Who are your competitors? What are you going to sell? Um, are you selling wine? Okay, well, everybody's selling wine. Uh, is it a specific pe- a type of wine? Okay, so who's your customer? Are you going for the high net worth individuals? Are you going for the middle market? Uh, how much money do you think you're going to make? So it's taking, uh, in simple terms, um, a, a, a view around where you want to take the business strategically and then literally breaking down all the components step by step as to how you achieve that. From a business point of view, uh, the terminology is simple. Either you want to drive revenue growth, which means you want to make more money, and to drive revenue growth, you can do it two ways. Are you introducing a new product or are you increasing your sales? And if you're introducing a new product, uh, is it to new customers, new to market, meaning that they don't already exist in your platform? Uh, if it's through sales, how are you going to do that? Are you increasing the price of the product or are you reducing the price of the product? Because if you re- increase the price of the product, you might only sell it to a few people, but maybe it's your niche market, your high net worth individuals. If you're reducing the price of the product, then you need more people. You need to sell to more, which is you're increasing your volumes. So I know I'm trying to simplify it, but the point mm-hmm. I'm saying is once you once you actually simplify it in that way and make it fun, then enabling building a strate- strategy for a company and then executing on that strategy becomes actually interesting because you're aligning every single part of the business to the revenue growth, which is what I've just described, or to the operation efficiencies, which is saying we want to be able to sell more uh, and grow the business uh, with less, spend less, but sell more. So the operation efficiencies, which means you're going to be asking yourself in our business, what are the things we are doing that we are repeating? When you hear companies talk about duplicated processes so we go in and we try and unpack and say where the duplicated processes in the system Mm -hmm. so if you're printing something 10 times to get to the same result why are you doing that is it because it's 10 different departments doing at the same time can you not do it just once because it'll cost you less because you can then take the money instead of spending 10 times you're spending it once Mm -hmm. and you're offsetting that cost and saving somewhere else that's cost optimization Or the third component, which is a metric that we push in the work that we do, is risk mitigations, managing risk. Now, everything we do these days embeds risk in businesses. And risk could be risk of working um, online at the moment. Uh, We know that cybersecurity is a big thing for a lot of companies. So cyber is an area of a business offering that we provide. So with cybersecurity, risk mitigation means that you, as a company, you may be spending a lot of money right now on software to secure your platforms, but actually it will cost you less because if you got hacked, 
and there was a challenge and a risk from a cyber point of view, you would spend more. So you're always looking at the return uh, of, on investment that you're making, but you're also looking at the risk benefit ratio. So it's, it's, I'm hoping I'm making sense, but I'm trying to make it fun. So strategic ex execution is simply finding the direction you're headed, whether you want to go to Cape Town, whether you want to make lots of money, and then figuring out, does it make sense for your business model? And then breaking it down and being quite brutal around the lay of the land, your competitors, your customers, um, uh, new processes, new products, and getting to the best possible investment and bang for your back. Absolutely. I mean, you've literally just given us a quick masterclass <laughs> on what strategy is, how do you use it, and what value does it give to an organization? So to anyone who's listening, please write these tips down <laughs> because these really are the foundations of what strategy is. And I think Audrey's broken it down so beautifully and so simply. And just going into the tech space conversation, a lot of people talk about innovation these days. Right. But when I see people talking about it, I feel like a lot of the time they're speaking about invention. What's the difference between innovation and invention? So interesting enough, um, from an innovation point of view, um, you'll be very disappointed to know that there's no such thing as a new idea anymore. So every single idea we think was new, somebody actually thought about it, the difference is in the execution. So a lot of what we drive at Systemic Logic from an innovation point of view is you have to push the execution, get things done, period, mm. when you're innovating. The innovation component and in invention. So an invention is somebody, the person who invented the light bulb. So we all know, um, uh, we can all dis dis decide and describe all the inventions that um, out there. Um, and an invention could be an invention of a product and you then also have to pro provide a patent for that product. Um, anything that you touch, anything that's around you, if you look around, even your computer, somebody invented that computer. The innovation becomes quite interesting because you can innovate to change a process. You can innovate to simplify a process. You can innovate to fast track a process. So um, innovating and coming up with, uh, for example, I'll, I'll come to banking. So wherever invented a bank teller that's one thing invented the bank the bank a bank an idea of um atm machine not the teller uh, the innovation the invention was the machine itself the innovation was the idea that actually somebody could go and withdraw the money without having to physically go into um a, a branch and get the money from a teller so if you look at also now the fact that you can bank anywhere on on your phone the innovation to get us to our digital, seamless digital banking, meaning that you can now pay anyone, anywhere in the world, uh, sitting while doing your hair or doing your nails. That, that's an innovation because it shifted uh, how people engaged and solved for a problem and, and, uh, and create a seamless process and allowed you to save time, drive, not driving to a branch, allowed the banks to offer a 24-hour service instead of a nine-to-five service. So I, I, I think you're too young maybe to remember the days where I'm sure your parents would, like me, when we used to run around and make sure we get to the bank before it closes at three <laughs> to, to deposit money or to, you know, to, to get money. So the, the innovation process has to be a process that allows you to change um, a, a manner in which an activity is taking place that either simplify it 
provide a new solution, enhance uh, and create value. So in, through innovation, uh, we create value. Through, invent, through an invention, we bring in a product and a new way of doing things. That was a beautiful answer. You know, every time you answer, I honestly don't know what to say because you've literally summarized everything so well, so succinctly, and it makes sense. You know, so once again, to the listeners, please take out your notepad and write this down. These are gems. I cannot stress this enough. Thank you so much, Audrey, for, Audrey, for share, sharing that. Um, on your profile, I was on your website, your, your company website. <laughs> I saw that you, you do a lot of work for communities. You give back quite often. You know, you're a trustee on the Liberty Education Fund. Um, you're the chairperson of the Orange Babies of South Africa nonprofit organization, and you do so much. A, how do you find the time to do this? And B, why is it important for you to be part of initiatives like this? So paying it forward, I think we discussed that very easily. So I was, um, I believe that um, we are because of others and others are because of us. So we have to actually, the, the life of service is something that I was raised with um, from day one and giving back. So if you look at, um, so yes, Liberty and uh, Orange Babies, I chaired that and that's come and gone at the moment. I'm having more fun and I did numeric, which is a maths and science uh, focused for kids in the township. But uh, one of my recent joys in, in that social space now is I chair, I'm the chair of the Rodin School essay, um, Girls School. Really? And board, I am. And That's my, my alma mater. Fame, it is, and our claim to fame is, which I'm so proud of, Lebu, is the appointment of the new uh, head, uh, um, Prosepina Dlamini Fisher, who will be in 2020 to 2022, the first black woman in 119 years to come and oh. lead the school. Your That's alma mater. Amazing. Oh, so wow. Journey, so talk about purpose. And I use this as, a, as an example because uh, chairing that board and the journey, uh, I was very, I've, I've always been very intentional. So transforming education and schools and institutions is something that I'm, I'm passionate about. So I will give timelessly and effortlessly on education and health. And the reason I say that is education is a game changer. Education was a game changer for me. We haven't spoken about that. So when I'm giving up that time, I don't even feel like I'm working. So the journey at Rodin and the transformation process we've taken the school through is a testament to the things that you must, you must also serve and give where you have fun and where mm -hmm. you enjoy it because you extend your brain in a way that it, gets, it doesn't become work. So if I look at um, even earlier, we spoke about um, from an entrepreneurial point of view, from the, the actual work that I'm doing, make sure that every part of your life is in tandem aligned um, and that's an emotional mental physical and spiritual so me giving back uh, to education is my way of saying thank you to what education has done to me uh, me giving back from a health point of view is my way of saying thank you and we can do better because for a lot of a lot for a lot of our children out there that the the black majority of the black child out there still does not have the right access to uh, affordable health and more important access to well-being uh, on a day-to-day -day basis so that's a, something we need to continue striving for so on one hand on education i'm saying thank you because I've, 
I've received so much and to whom much is given, Lebu, much is expected. On the health side, it's my reminder that we still have a long way to go and it's a game changer in the future for what we're doing. So making time for the things you believe in becomes second nature to what you're doing. So you weave it into to what you already do. So I, when I'm hustling, I, I hustle, but um, I find myself and I find my balance in now extending my thinking around educational challenges and health challenges that we have. Making time for what you believe in becomes second nature to what you do. That is yep. a tweet. <laughs> that is a viral <laughs> tweet because those are gems. Just going back to education, right? We have this debate all the time. If you go on my Twitter page, you'll see that I'm always having debates with people, really healthy debates about our country, topics that we care about. And one of them is education, right? So a lot of people, when they say education, they're saying going to school, going to university, going to high school, getting a master's, getting a doctorate, whatever the case may be. Is that what you mean when you're saying education? So I've had, um, so yes and no, Naya, there's a beautiful German word that says Naya, which is yes and no. So yes and no. So, so no, we cannot only uh, push the one versus the other. So it's not either or, and people who know me know, I love to say it's both end. You must find the both end, meaning the education, academic education, so by all means, uh, never stop learning, and I don't. I mean, just um, two years ago, I went back and uh, decided I needed to learn uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and registered with MIT. And there I was working harder than my daughters who were laughing all the time that I'd gone back to school effectively. So, so be curious enough to keep learning. And right now with online um, services, Udemy, there's so many on free, even free online courses that on a daily basis, you can enhance what you know, your knowledge. So keep be curious enough to keep learning. Then there's the formal education. And I'm a proponent to say that I was raised in a household where I was, we were raised to make sure that we get those certificates and get those degrees. The formal education and those certificates that are important are effectively just that access for you. It opens that door. And why is that important? Uh, you're gonna find people like me who did political science and are ending up running a data tech and IT company, who would have thought? The reason it's a door opener is that all it says to a potential employer, if you want to be employed, or potential business partner or potential financial partner, if it's an APSA, as an example, my financial partner, all it says to them is that you have, and you've, got, you've been able to be trained in the ability to think, to structure, because anyone who's been through a four-year varsity program um, after you've done matric know that at the end of the day, it's the volumes of assignments and the structuring and the planning and the process and the fact that you can go and argue your point out. If you've got a, a, a PhD or your dissertation, the whole process is about going to be able to logically argue and make your case. So it, formal education and the paper and the, and the qualifications one, one gets, I can't overemphasize the fact that that's important because it allows you a journey and the journey is more important of going through a process where you stretch your mind, challenge yourself and open your, your, your own mind to possibilities and able to have a structured conversation and challenge your way through day-to-day -day activities. When you, you're reading Twitter, we've mentioned Twitter, 
or Facebook, you're able to have apply critical thinking. You're able to look at something and say, you know what, this is so far off. It absolutely does not make any sense. It's fake. And versus just believing for the sake of it, whatever is in front of you. That's the power of access of that formal education. Whatever you do with that paper much later, it doesn't matter. All it does, it allows you access into a room and allows you to stand your ground, argue, challenge, innovate, whichever, whatever rocks your boat. The second part, which is the informal, the ongoing, uh, meaning that even today, uh, you've educated me, Leibu. Mm. So I come from a generation and marketing was one of the things I did before or, uh, or having conversations where I would never have thought of a process that you could have a conversation and run a masterclass while having a conversation without being in a formal setup. So we're a different generation. So I'm learning from you the power of knowledge and the power of conversation. So you've taken the power of conversations and you, you, you're probably creating more impact on a daily than uh, me trying to run a whole ad with a campaign, put people in a classroom and then try and uh, get a view from a different age group and diversify the, the thoughts that come out instantaneously with your podcast. You get a sense of what the 18 year olds are saying versus the 25 year olds. So you're able to very quickly uh, give rich information around what millennials are doing or thinking than me waiting for the Harvard Business Review to tell me the, the, the research that was done months back. So I'm learning. So that informal uh, a path allows us and allows me, for example, to keep my mindset open. It, it removes the judgment, removes the bias. So in the curiosity of knowledge and learning, you also eliminate bias and become more open-minded towards a diverse thought. Uh, I am really enjoying this conversation, Audrey, because everything you're sharing is validating the kind of life I'm trying to build for myself. And I think for a lot of listeners, they're feeling exactly the same way. You know, I didn't know that I wasn't truly learning until I stopped judging things. And then the world looks so different to me. And I really started having rich experiences with people I met, with companies I was working with and with projects that I was in. So what you're saying is, is validating that to me. And it's, it's, it's made, letting me know that, okay, you're on the right path. <laughs> you know, you're doing the right thing, continuously learning. I love that. I've got a lot of questions for you, but I'm going to try whittle it down to three. We, right. can't, we can't end this podcast without talking about uh, the dynamics of women working with each other you know, pull her down syndrome, et cetera, et cetera. Can we, can we talk about that? How do women work with each other? Do you think we work with each other well? Do you think there are lots of challenges that make it hard for us to respect one another when we work with each other? Is it an age thing? What is it that's stopping women from creating really beneficial and rich and impactful relationships with each other in the business setting? So I'll start off by saying I've had such an amazing session. We're having that jam session together. So you're a woman, I'm a woman. So mm. I'm going to start off by saying just uh, this engagement for me has been fantastic. Um, and the issue around agenda and women, uh, it's one of those things that's over and over. So many textbooks, so many theories around do we work with each other, do we pull each other down? Mm. My answer to that over the years has been very simple, which is to say that when, no matter where, whether you're a man or woman, when you're not in a good space yourself, and, and remember I talked about I can, you can, and always come back to yourself and your emotional and mental well-being. 
when you're not in a good self space yourself, it doesn't matter whether you're a man or woman, you're not going to find good in others. So we, we need to walk away from the discussion around do women pull each other because I have had the most amazing female bosses. I've had uh, my most favorite people fighting us that I work with at EPSA um, and um, amazing women, some of whom I hope you'll have the privilege of working with. Uh, the most amazing program that's been put forward um, in EPSA is this whole focus on women and entrepreneurship. So let's start uh, focusing around what the needs are for women to enable them to succeed as entrepreneurs and enable them to succeed in business. Does that mean uh, we don't have the other side that you mentioned? Absolutely. For every story of a success story of women working together, there's a, there's a painful, heartbreaking story of women who are pulling each other down. And uh, for me, that where we need to start uh, addressing that is you need to name it, you need to call it, and you need to save this, call a spade a spade. So one thing we didn't discuss is people who know me, I just call it as it is. It's like you know, right is right, wrong is wrong. Um, and most times when I find myself in a situation where I walk into a presentation and I know that I'm challenged by my own gender in that room, the first thing I, I try and ask is um, how can I help? What is going on in that person's life? Let me not just make this about me because maybe actually I am the most annoying, irritating, excitable entrepreneur. So I probably just caught my birthday. <laughs> let's not make it about ourselves. So let's not make it about our gender all the time. Let's let's try and reverse that and make it around finding solutions. I'm a member of the International Women's Forum for SA, and I'm surrounded by the most amazing queens and divas and goats and Oh my goodness, fountain of knowledge, everything. Um, I, I, Irene Shanley uh, she is the president and we call each other, her Madam President. Nolita is the deputy president. We've got everything from Dr. Precious. There's a fountain of wisdom that is women. And it took me this long to be part of a woman-owned organization. I was one of those for years who just poo-pooed it and said, I'm never gonna join an organization because it's a woman's organization. But I, I've come to myself, I've matured like a bottle of red wine, meaning at 51, I'm aware of my own idiosyncratic behaviors mm. enough to know when I am the cause of the problem, not the other way around. So for the younger generation, for the women in their 20s and 30s, my only message to you right now is don't, don't walk, walk around every day assuming that your sister is out to get you. Because I think that that causes more pain and more loneliness because we are then pulled in a life of jealousy and a life of showing off and a life of it's a very fake life. So there's a lot. And maybe you're going to educate me about that. There's a lot of there's a lifestyle that's projected that is so fake that that is so devoid of, 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 of realness that we forget that behind that that kind of fakeness that I'm, I'm, I'm watching and observing is somebody crying out for help. So let us not um, use those cliches to then lose sight of the real help that's required. And the real help, um, you and Alma Mater of an all girls school. And one of the things I can say when I observe young girls in high school and stuff, oh, there's nothing like best friends, that BFF best friend forever and stuff. So mm -hmm. let's touch into the power of how we make each other happy and then be, be the first to say, if you see a woman who is treating other women badly, challenge them and say, what you just did is wrong. And I've, I've, I've been known to say that. What you just did, what you just said in the morning in the meeting is wrong. Now help me understand, why did you say that? Sometimes it's as, quick, as easy as asking why. What is driving that behavior? 
And you're going to find that that person probably has had a really bad day. They're coming from an abusive home. Uh, they're trying very hard to make ends meet. They can't see themselves moving forward. So when they see your joy and the, your happiness, they see pain in their own lives. So we need to stop creating boxes and creating assumptions around gender. And we need to start saying, how can we start pulling together to understand where we are and how we can help each other. And mental wellness is real. Emotional well-being is something we have to accept and we have to support. So as a woman, I stand proudly saying, actually, I want to see more levels. And I want to see for me to have succeeded, the multiplier effect has to work. I need more Audrey's. I need APSA to go out there and sign on another 10 Audrey's. You know why? Because I'll be waiting to say to them, by the way, when you fill out those forms with EPSA, here's a shortcut. This is how you can do it in two weeks instead of six weeks that it took me. I love it. <laughs> Sometimes it starts with why, asking questions, having compassion, and just understanding that we're all human. Thank you, Audrey, for that. This question is a, is a bit more personal, I guess, but I, I love seeing people's perspectives and hearing their perspectives of what they would tell their younger selves, knowing what they know now. So what would you say to 20-year-old Audrey, knowing what you know now about life? You know, 20-year-old Audrey, and I've had this conversation with myself over and over again, I'd say to her, girl, just chill, have fun, everything will be fine, because I was far too serious and far too focused on going places and changing the world and solving the world that I, most times in my 20s, I did not stop to really laugh from my belly. So just stop and laugh from your belly. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. I think, I mean, I turned 30 last year and I realized that. I was like, I was way too serious. I was, I was trying too hard in my 20s. I didn't actually enjoy life the way I was supposed to or the way I wanted to. And now I'm committing to enjoying life, laughing from my baby, like you said, forming real relationships, speaking, being honest about how I feel. Thank you so much, Audrey, for making time to be on this podcast. The lessons you've shared, uh, your perspective, everything is invaluable. These are nuggets. These are gold. I'm going to save this podcast and listen to it over and over and over again because I'm, I'm so touched by your presence and how humble you are, but also how charismatic you are and how much you believe in being African, the concept of Africanacity and us coming together as people. Thank you so much for, for sharing your wisdom with us on this podcast today. No, Lebu, thank you. And I'm looking forward to our jam sessions, the way we help and inspire the youngsters. So count me in. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to talk after this podcast because those <laughs> jam sessions truly need to happen. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff that can come out of it. Thank you. Thank you, Audrey. <laughs> this podcast is in partnership with APSA Group's Procurement Supplier Development and Diversity Initiative that not only prioritizes purchasing from SMMEs, Black-owned businesses, and women-owned entities, but also celebrates the entrepreneurs who APSA supported in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic in order to assist their businesses to thrive. This is the true spirit of Africanacity. APSA believes that opening opportunities for SMMEs to access corporate supply and delivery chains is one of the most efficient and consistent ways in which established corporates can contribute to sustainable entrepreneurship development. 
When SMMEs interact with large corporates, they're compelled to make changes to increase efficiencies. Being part of corporate supply chains also improves access to information and demands technical proficiency. You can also be part of APSA's new procurement marketplace or simply learn more about the opportunities that are present in APSA's new procurement marketplace by simply clicking the link in our podcast description. Until next time, remember, the only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time.